Go to Mark 11, 2 Timothy 1. Mark 11, Jesus had spoken to a tree. And in the process of a number of hours, a day or so, it withered away. And they remarked about it and knew that it was supernatural and knew that something happened as a result of him speaking. Very important for us to realize he did this as a man, not as God. We say, yeah, but that was Jesus. He's the Son of God. He can say and do things like that. Well, no, that's leaving the wrong impression. He is the Son of God. But the Bible teaches that he emptied himself and became like other men. And so when he's living and walking on the earth during this time, he's operating just like you or I would as a man. I know that's contrary to religious teaching, but read the Bible. <laughs> you know, you got two sources for what you're going to believe. What he said and what everybody else thinks. <laughs> now, if you're smart, you know which one to pick. Pick what he said, and don't be bothered by what everybody else thinks. And Jesus took that as an opportunity to teach them about faith. And we have our beloved Mark eleven twenty three and 24. But 22 is part of it too. And Jesus said in verse 22, he answering and he said unto them, Have faith in God. Say it out loud. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. Well, if he said to have faith in God, what do you think we should do? We should have faith in God. Now, don't assume you know what that means. Or that you, certainly that you know all about what it means. And don't assume that you're already doing it. And particularly that you're already doing all that you could be doing with having faith in God. Just a week or two ago, I told Phyllis, I said, I repented today. (laughs) She said, for what? I said, for us thinking we know something about faith. You know, faith people that's heard a lot of teaching about faith and the word of faith folks. A lot of people get to thinking, well, you know, faith, we got faith. We know about faith. That's laughable. (laughs) How many understand faith is one of the greatest things that exists? And if we know anything about faith, I assure you, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what needs to be known and can be known and lived in and walked in. And it's just like man to learn a couple of little things. And think he's got something and has arrived. And I don't mean to imply I thought I had arrived. I had better sense than that. But but you know what I mean. You get to thinking that you know a thing or two about faith. And oh dear me. That's just. That's a laughable. But I'm on my way to learn more. How about you? I want to learn about faith. Because I want to please God. And I know it's the key. To walk in the victorious life. And being successful and being a blessing yourself. And that's key to you being a blessing to somebody else. How many know if you don't overcome, how are you going to help your brother or sister overcome? 
Right? If your needs are not met, how are you going to help them get their needs met? So this false humility and this junk that opposes victorious living in authority, living in prosperity, living in healing, it's all lies from the pit to keep you and I defeated so that not only are we defeated, but we can't be any good to anybody else. How many believe in God to be healed and have extra strength so you can help somebody else? To be prosperous and have extra money, right, so you can help somebody? Come on. To overcome your challenges and trials and temptations to win your battles. I was telling a brother the other day, we were talking about a particular thing that he was having victory in and overcoming in. And I said, well, brother, I said, stay with it now because your victory is also other people's victories. I know some things that Phyllis and I, you know, decades ago were struggling in. We talked about it then. I knew it then. I told her then. We talked about it. Our victory is other people's victory. If the enemy can defeat us here and now, then there'll not be fruit of the ministry in the years to come. But if we overcome, oh, come on. If we overcome and we have victory, then not only can we live it, we can tell other people how they can overcome and have victory. Oh, can you see? Your victory is also other people's victory. That's why the devil works so hard to keep it from happening because it's easier to crush an acorn than an oak tree. It's easier to stop it than before it starts multiplying. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. Now, this is not just for preachers. People are watching you. Did you know it? Your family, your friends, your neighbors, the people you work with, they're watching you. And your victory can affect many around you. Don't kid yourself. So everybody said out loud, I will not quit. quit. He always causes me to triumph. triumph. And my victories victories will affect other victories. victories. Glory to God. We want people to see God move in our life and bring us out and then get inspired to believe Him to do the same thing for them, right? That's supposed to be happening all over the place. And it is. And it is and it will increase. Glory. Fella could preach in here tonight. Go to 2 Timothy 1. Second <laughs> Timothy 1. And verse 12. 2 Timothy 1. And 12. Spirit of God said through Paul. For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know. Whom. I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. I know. Somebody say, I know. know. Now that's different from I think. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I figure. What do you say? Somebody said out loud. What do you say? I I know you find this phrase not just once or twice, but numerous places in the epistles in the New Testament. I know. We know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We what? Not pretty sure. Not hope so. Not think so. Not maybe so. We know. Somebody say we know. 
He said, I know in whom I have believed. And am what? Well, that's why he knows. Because <laughs> he became persuaded. And now he knows. Jesus said, have faith in who and what? Have faith in God. Now, those of us that have been around some faith teaching, we've heard quite a few things about faith and a whole lot of good things. But I think sometimes people gravitate towards more faith in what? Faith in principles. But Jesus said, have faith in God. I have great respect for this book. But my faith is not in ink and paper. My faith is not in sentences and paragraphs. My faith is in the one who said the words. Oh, come on. Makes a difference. And so people have faith in all kind of things. That's not having faith in God. People have faith in themselves. They believe in certain moral codes. They believe in certain sayings that grandma used to say. And the way papa and daddy was. And grandpa. And that, if that's what God said, well that can be a good thing to continue in. But what did he say? Have faith in. Have faith in God. People have faith in systems. You know, people have faith in the democratic system. People have faith in the judiciary system. (laughs) Some folks have faith. and You know, some people say, well, I know there's tough times, but I have faith in the, uh, you know, capitalism. I have faith in uh, the American way. I have faith. Listen to me. Listen to me. You best have faith in God. Because all the stuff you're talking about has failed people and will fail people again. And if you put all your trust and your confidence in these things, you are going to be disappointed. If not tomorrow, next week, or next year. But nothing down here is sure. Nothing that men have come up with is Impossible of failure. You hear people talk about certain corporations. Well, they've been around for 70 years. Ain't no way they could go under. We've already seen that in the last year or two. Well, that's a, you know, man, you can put your money in there. Ain't no way you could lose it. Well, many have found out. You could lose it. Well, Jesus already told us that. I said, Jesus already told. We shouldn't be shocked to find out that you could lose it. Oh, Lost some folks there, didn't I? <laughs> you shouldn't be shocked. Jesus said, don't lay up treasure down here where moth can corrupt it and thieves can break through and steal. Does that mean anywhere down here? Any system, any establishment, any investment, any bank, I don't care what it is, it can fail. Except by the grace of God, this whole nation could be gone tomorrow. You understand that? But we've been kept (laughs) by His grace and mercy. And I'm believing for Him to keep us some more. Aren't you? In spite of our junk and problems that we've got, 
He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. And I know there's a lot of bad stuff, but there's also some salt of the earth. There's millions just like me and you that believe God and pray and trust Him. And I believe He'll do amazing things just for us, just for our sakes. And these other folk don't know it, but they ought to be glad we're here. Because <laughs> without us, this thing would go sour quick. <laughs> well, when the church comes out of here, it is not a place you're going to want to be. But we're here. And while we're here, we're supposed to live by faith. He said, I know in whom I have believed. Now, go to Hebrews. And let's look at the third chapter. And let's just work our way up to chapter 11. Hebrews 3 and 6. He says, but Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. He's talking about faith and hope. But he uses the word confidence. Go to the fourth chapter and the 16th verse. 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly Somebody say boldly. Boldly. Unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, did you know that the same Greek word translated bold or boldly is often translated confidence? Which is a word for faith. Same word. And the word means, the word confidence, also translated boldly, it means to speak openly. It means to speak plainly, without reservation, without hesitation. And you can see that there's no ambiguity in it, or or to use a Bible word, Wavering. There's no wavering. I'm believing the Lord. You believing with me tonight? That we'll see some real core issues about the nature of faith. And this is not just something that you take notes on now. This is something you can live by every day of your life. Something that if you'll start monitoring, it'll help you absolutely eliminate all the unbelief from your life. And just walk in faith. Are you interested in that? Confidence is a word that describes faith. We saw it in Hebrews 11.1. We'll get there here in just a minute. We're headed that way. But here it's translated boldness. Let us come boldly. What does it mean to come boldly? Let me read the definitions to you again and uh, listen to them with your spirit. To speak openly of, to speak freely, to speak boldly like we said, no uncertainty, no unclearness. No indefiniteness. 
So when you come to the throne, what's he telling you? How to come? In faith. He's saying come in faith. But the word is boldly. That was worth you getting dressed and coming out tonight right there. You show me a person with faith, I'll show you a bold person. Now when you say that, though sometimes people's mind runs off on a tangent. And you've seen people try to be bold and you knew in your heart it wasn't right. They just came across pushy and belligerent and demanding. And that's not faith. That's flesh. And the difference is, and we'll get to this, I believe, as the Lord would help us. The difference is what your confidence is in. We're not talking about you being confident in yourself. We're talking about being confident in God. Having faith, having trust, having confidence in your God. And when you do, it makes you bold. And you're bold because you're sure. And you're sure because you know. Because you know. (laughs) You don't think so. You know. How many if I asked you tonight, are you saved? Huh? You sure? (laughs) I mean, if you died tonight, if you fell off the chair right here, right now, bloom, gone. Heaven or hell? Huh? What do you think? 50-50? Good chance that you'd make it, but you know, you just never know. If you're not sure, you're in trouble. You're in danger. Because we're saved by what? By being sure. Are y'all with me now? So what about all these people that are working and trying to do good works and hope that when they get to heaven, they will be saved. Hope they did enough. And you say, well, will you be saved? Well, I don't know. We'll find out. They're lost. Because what saves you? What's another word for faith? Confidence. Or another word? Boldness. So are they confident about their salvation? No. Are they bold about whether they go into heaven or hell? No. So they can't be saved. I know folks don't like that. But does the Bible say we are saved by faith? Does it say it? Then you have to have confidence in the completed work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. Not on what you can do or not do, how good you could be, how much work you could accomplish. No, no, no. If you're counting on that, you're in trouble. Somebody say, I have confidence. confidence. 
full confidence in what Jesus did for me. Because of what he did, I am and will be saved. I'm not wondering about it. I'm not hoping so. I know. I know. I know. I'm not trying to be saved. I'm saved. (laughs) I'm not trying to believe. I believe. Friend, let this permeate your thinking and get in your spirit and let it permeate your life. It's so simple. Everything you go to do, you'll realize whether you have faith for it or not. Or whether you're in faith or you're not by this one simple thing. Are you confident? Have you put your wavering and questioning and wondering aside and saying, I know. Not trying to be brass, not trying to be forward. You just know. Do you know where you live? When you tell us your address, you're not trying to be cocky and forward. Because you said it was such confidential. I live in such and such place. Are you sure? You sure said, well, come on. You either know or you don't, right? Why are you so confident? Because you know. You've been there 10,000 times. You know. You know right where it is. Let us come boldly. What was he saying? How to come. We know the only way we could come that would please him would be to come in faith. Here he gives us another way to see it. So what if we stay outside the gates and bombard the gates and sing about how unworthy we are and grovel and cower? Impossible to please God with any of that. And yet that's what religion teaches men and women to do every day. If that pleased God, we'd look at it. But he told us it didn't. So we best not do it. He said boldness pleases him. Confidence pleases him. Faith pleases him. So we best be that way. Can you be confident without being prideful? Can you be bold without being disrespectful? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now go on over here to 4th chapter. Go to the 10th chapter. 10th chapter. 16. Oh, this is shouting ground. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. That's why we can come boldly. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he's consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, having and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith. Oh, can you see the spirit of faith? 
What is the spirit of faith? Confident. Bold. Fully persuaded. Fully assured. Just step right up. Step right in. (laughs) Not trying to be rude. You just know you're welcome. (laughs) Not trying to be forward. You just know you belong there. Not trying to be prideful. You just know he doesn't remember any of my sins. There is no reason for me to cower and feel bad about coming to his throne. Because he doesn't see any of it. He doesn't remember any of it. And that will, if you really believe that, it will make you bold. You'll be loosed. From all your cowering and shame and condemnation and guilt, it'll all go away. Now, if you're still going around, hanging your head, dragging your feet, flinching every time somebody says something or does something, scared God's going to get you every day, you don't believe. You don't believe in what He's done. You don't have faith in the blood and what it's done for you. Somebody say, I do. I do. do. Keep reading in this 10th chapter. He said, verse 35, Cast not away, therefore, your... Could that be a main theme of this book? We keep seeing it come up and up again. Cast not, therefore, away, away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward he that comes to God must believe that he is and must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him see this is what separates religious folk from real children of God that are walking in the spirit with him people that just believe in God versus people that believe in him and believe in his power but they're also expecting him to do something good in their life they have confidence they boldly expect good things while other people say, oh, oh, no, no, we don't want to try to tell the Lord what to do because, you know, he knows his ways are mysterious and, and we just don't know. And, and you just have to say, if it be thy will, where's their confidence about what's going to happen? Will you be healed? Well, I don't know. I'd like to be. Will the Lord help you pay your bills? You coming out or you going under? Well, I'd like to come out, but you know we just don't know everything. Well, that's an understatement. (laughs) But see, this is what religion has taught men and women. You're supposed to believe this. Because this is what it means to be holy. And this is what it means to be humble. No, humility is submitting to what God tells you. Not making up your own stuff as you go along. If he says come boldly, reckon he means what he says. Cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense. How much of a reward? Somebody say great. 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 Anybody in here boldly, confidently believing for something to happen in your life? Is it going to pay off in a big way? 
in a big way. In a big, great recompense. Now, if, if you don't cast away your what? If you don't lose your confidence. You can tell when people have lost their confidence. I mean, you prayed with them the prayer of agreement three weeks ago, and they were shouting, going, it'll come to pass. It'll come to pass. And you see them three weeks later, and you say, well, what about it? Well, (laughs) we're just praying. They don't have to say three words. You can look at their face. You can hear the tone of their voice. Where's the confidence? They lost it somewhere. Well, they got some extra bills, and they talked to some of their relatives that told them it was foolish, and and you just never know. And They've been listening to that instead of the Word. Faith comes by hearing. It can leave by hearing something else. Fear can come by hearing the wrong thing. Does it matter what you listen to and what you talk with people about and what you let stay on your mind? I'm telling you, it can absolutely rob you of your confidence and get you to the place where you say, well, I don't know what I was thinking when I got so excited about all that. You know, I, we just don't really know what's going to happen. And your confidence is gone. And if it's gone, you're defeated. There's nothing heading your way. And you can blame people to blame God and say, well, it must not have been his will. It was his will. It was always his will. But you have to receive by faith. And faith is confident. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. I'm going to say, well, it's been three weeks. Well, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> three weeks. Well, it's been three years. So what? What's three years? I lost somebody on that one. You know, that's one of the things that I am so impressed with God over. His patience. I'm telling you. When your patience is stretched and broke and gone, His has barely begun. I mean, he it's amazing. Now, patience doesn't mean just passive waiting. Patience means persevering to believe. Continuing to believe and be confident no matter what. Through every day and night, every obstacle, every bad report, everything that you see that looks better, that looks worse, none of it moves you. You just keep on persevering in your faith. You keep on expecting it to happen. And that's what I'm talking about that I am in awe of our God about. He will say something. And sure enough, it'll come to pass 10,000 years later. Somebody say awesome. Awesome. And really, see, the thing is, how many remember the scriptures right here in Hebrews that we obtain the promises through faith and patience. Patience is the companion force of your faith. And really, you don't have any more faith than you do patience. Maybe you didn't want to hear that, but it's the truth. It's not enough just to believe God. You got to believe God Until. And that's where the patience comes in. It's persistence. It's perseverance. 
It's good to get stirred up and get confident and get happy and get expecting, but you've got to maintain that, don't you? Even when you're not at church, without organ music and singers and guitar licks, huh? without preachers waving at you and hollering scriptures, you've got to be able to do it at home on a Tuesday afternoon right by yourself. Right, stir yourself up like David encouraged himself in the Lord. And say, man, I'm just, I'm more excited than when I prayed that prayer three years ago. It'll surely come to pass. I mean, if God can stand and believe for 10,000 years, I can sure believe for a year. Or five. Whatever it takes. If it was God then, it's still God now. He hadn't changed. If his word said it then, it's not going to change. So my believing should not change. Cast not away your confidence. You have need of patience. That after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. And will not tarry. You say the same thing about your blessing too. Now the just shall live by begging. (laughs) And pleading. And groveling. And whining and complaining. People are trying it. But the just shall live by faith, but if any man, what? Draw back. back. Can you see? That's why we backed up and went to these previous chapters. Look there in 10 again. And verse 22. 10.22 said what? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now read again verse 38, the just shall live by faith, but if any man, what? Draw back. back. Faith draws near, which has to do with advancing, steps in, come boldly. What does fear and unbelief do? Pulls back, draws back. Let me give you some more definition of drawing back. Uh, One says to cower, to cower. To pull back. Second Timothy one seven. Just hold your place where you are. But Second Timothy one seven. What did it say? NIV. In the King James, it says God didn't give us the spirit of fear. But this is a good translation of the Greek here. God didn't give us what? A spirit of timidity. But a spirit of what? Power. Love. Self-discipline says here, sound mind, well, sound mind would be disciplining your mind, controlling it. Can you see, does this sound like faith, power, love, confident, bold, as opposed to what? Timidity and fear. And the hesitation that comes with it. One of the most tormenting things. In life is wavering. You ever been there? Should I do it or not? Is that right? Is that wrong? That's what the Bible calls wavering. Should I believe for it or is it not His will or this place of confusion is not the will of God for any of us. But the less we know of His Word and the less we fellowship with Him, the more we're going to be in this place, aren't we, of ignorance and confusion. 
People sometimes act like, well, you know, it's a duty, it's a labor to have to read your chapter. It's a labor to have to come to church. You're making it easy on yourself. I said, you're making it easy on yourself. Why? Because when things come up, if you know, I said, if you know, and you can just believe God and take your stand, you just saved yourself what other people are going through for the next three years. Struggling and vacillation and questioning. And and if you'll just lock your faith on it and lock in, even if it takes you a few weeks. Well, there's still three years and hadn't figured out if it's the will of God or not. You can go indefinitely and never receive like that. You're making it easy on yourself by being in church tonight. You are. And by reading your chapter and by feeding on the Word, you're just making it. Why? Because all of these things are cumulative. Over day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. They are cumulative and they work to persuade your heart of the truth. Oh, come on. And when your heart is persuaded, you know. And when you know, you're confident, you're bold. You ain't trying to be pushy with anybody. You just know what you know. <laughs> and when you do, you become unstoppable. No enemy, no curse, nothing in the earth can stop. Because to stop you would be to stop the Word of God that you're believing. And that can't happen. Heaven and earth will pass away. But His Word can't pass away. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I said, well, I wish I could be that confident. Well, you can be. We're telling you right now how to do it. Come to church more than once a year. (laughs) Read your chapter every day. At least. At least. As a minimum. Plunge yourself into the Word of God. Well, people will think I'm a fanatic. Well, they're the ones that's wrong. They should be doing it too. Every time, I don't care if it's you, if it's me, who it is, things come up in our life and we're like this. What do I do? Do I do this or do I do that? What is that? Are we confident? Are we bold? Are we in faith? Can you come out like this? You go down like that. You show me a person in faith. They will not have to pause for 10 minutes to figure out what to tell you that they're believing and doing. Hmm? And friend, you put this word in you, put this word in you, put this word in you. You have the author of the book who lives inside you. And if you learn how to yield to him and look to him, situations will come up and he will take a word. It might have been something you heard in a service five years ago. It might have been something you read yesterday. But the Spirit of God will grab it. He'll bring it up to you and you'll know this is it. This is the answer. This is what I'm going to believe. You won't say, I think so. I hope so. I wonder so. You will know. You'll know. 
And that knowing is all God needs to put you over. It's the open door for Him to get involved in your affairs because you're trusting Him. If you're still asking questions, if you're still wondering about it, you're not in faith. But you can get there. I said you can get there if you'll hear and receive the right thing. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, did He? He didn't give us that. That's not of Him. He gave us the spirit of power, love, hallelujah, sound mind, makes us confident, makes us bold. Somebody's getting stirred up, I can tell you. 11.30, excuse me, 10.30. Are you still there in Hebrews? 10.39, I should say. We are not of them that draw back. No drawing back for us. No going back. <laughs> uh, who was it? A man of God. What was his name? Oh, I let it slip me. He's turn of the century. Uh, he was a powerful missionary. And somebody was asking him about where he wouldn't go as far as countries. He'd been all over Africa. He'd been all over this place and that. He said, I'll go anywhere but back. <laughs> Don't you like that? I'll go anywhere but back. I ain't going back. I'm not backing off. I'll go forward. I'll go up. That is faith talking. That's faith talk. And I'm telling you, this is the picture we've got to get. God is pleased with this kind of talk. It ministers to him. I'm talking about the Almighty who sits on the throne. When he hears his children talking like this, it makes him smile. What does it mean when it pleases him? When something pleases you, what do you do? You don't frown. If it pleases you, what do you do? You smile and you go, I like that. I like why it pleased you. You can see it. Jesus, everything he said and did, is expressing exactly the Father's heart and will and way. And you can see him stop on occasion and say, now that's faith. I hadn't seen faith like that in the whole countryside. Great is your faith. Oh, friend, anything that will impress Jesus, I sign up for. I want to sign. How about you? I want to be it. I want to do it. And it is not this groveling and begging and whining stuff that religion has taught men. You gotta stand up. You gotta step up. You gotta say, I believe God. I'm sure. That makes him smile. That pleases him. We are not of them that draw back. No. To perdition and destruction. We're those that believe. Aren't we? To the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Let me read to you some translations of it again. Young's literal. Faith is of things hoped for a confidence. Of matters not seen a conviction. These are the two words that define faith from this verse. Confidence and conviction. The New English says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. 
being sure. Somebody say being sure. The devil would have us live in a life of torment. Always vacillating. Always hesitating. Always wondering. Always wavering and calling it humility. How many understand if it's torment, it can't be God. The Spirit of God is not the Spirit of torment. The Spirit of Love and power and sound mind is here to enable us to live a life of confidence. Can you hear the Spirit of God calling to you tonight? Saying, live confidently. Can you hear it? Live confidently. So many people cower through life. They're always drawing back from this. And they'll get close to something and they'll wonder, can I do it? Or is it too big? Or is it too hard? And they'll cower and they'll pull back and play it safe. Well, we've got some beans and bread and we have a cot, so we're making it. And so they'll venture nothing. Too risky. They live the safe life. Cowards. I said cowards. To step out and obey God takes courage. Have you read this 11th chapter? We're going to get to it more and more. Have you read this 11th chapter? Have you read what Noah did? Have you read what David did? Have you read what these men did? What Moses did? Have you read? Did it take courage? Could you be a coward and do what they did? Man, they faced walls of water. They faced armies. They faced everything and didn't bat an eye. Come on now. I know they had feelings to deal with like you and I, but somewhere or another they grabbed them and put them aside and they said, I know God is with me and I know He will deliver me. Don't you want to live that kind of life? Oh, can you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Can you see him standing in front of Nebuchadnezzar, high up on his throne? Can you see that fiery furnace glowing red hot? You can feel the heat from across the auditorium. And they know. If you don't say exactly what he wants you to say right now, (laughs) they're ready to throw you in now. You should feel blessed that you hadn't already been thrown in. That he gave you a chance to even talk. But he kind of likes them. <laughs> he did. So he wants to give them a chance to make this right. Without him losing face. And so he's like, boys, you didn't understand, I guess. When the music plays, everybody, everybody, that means you. Bow down. And if you don't. He's king of the known world. If you don't. You will be at that moment thrown into the fiery furnace. And who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand? (laughs) Anytime you hear sinners talking like that. You can go ahead and start smiling. (laughs) You say yeah say it again. 
I'm going to back off over here, though. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> they said, O king, we're not careful to answer you. We will not bow down. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Miss Gloria Copeland at the convention this week was preaching on David and how he ran to meet Goliath. A teenager facing a giant of a man and a slingshot. And he said, you come to me with a sword and a shield. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He has to look up to even see him. And this day, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to take your head right off of you. And in fact, we're going to kill all your brothers too. We're going to kill a whole bunch of you. And you'll know that God is real. And he does not deliver just with a shield and a spear. And then he took off and ran towards him. Didn't he? Ran towards him and grabbed that that slingshot. Somebody say bold. Somebody say bold. Bold. Both for a teenager, never been in a battle except with a lion and a bear, which counts. <laughs> See, that wasn't the first time he used his faith, was it? How many know he got bold with a bear? Now that's something. He was confident in the face of a lion, and these are the kind of people that have miracles. It wasn't because he was so big. It wasn't because he could fight so good. How many understand? He's a boy. He's slinging a a rock. But he did it in the name of the Lord. He did it in faith. And I reckon a big angel got behind it and went. (laughs) Because man when that thing hit him. It sunk down in his skull. It's like a man had been shot. With a rifle. Do you know. I don't care what kind of giants in your life. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if it's $10 million in debt. Are you listening to me? I don't care what it is. The same faith in the same God will lay Goliath out again. We'll do it again. But you got to quit being mousy. You got to quit whining. You got to quit wavering. You got to quit asking dumb questions. And say, I believe, I'm sure, I'm confident in my God delivering me. Yes, it's His will for me to be healed. No question about it. No question about it. No buts, ands, and ifs. None, none. It's His will for me to be healed. Yes. Yes, it's His will for all my bills to be paid. Every bill, every debt paid off. Yes. Well, what about? Hush. I don't want to hear what about. Well, you better, no, you better hush. I don't want to hear it. You can't entertain all this stuff without your confidence being diminished and diluted. Anything that's wearing away at your confidence, you know it ain't God. You know it's not the Word. You better get away from it. You better turn it off. 
Whoo. Somebody say, I believe. I have faith in God. Go on down here in the book of Hebrews 11 and look at something. Actually, hold your place and go back to 1 Samuel 17. We're talking about David. So see something concerning him that goes right with this. 1 Samuel 17. When uh, David got there, they weren't fighting because everybody was scared. All the Israelites were scared of Goliath and his army. And so they were cowering and hiding. Were they drawing back? Oh, yeah. They drew all the way back to caves. (laughs) They were hiding in the recesses of caves. They had drawn back. Does it please the Lord when people draw back? He said it doesn't please him. It's the opposite of faith. And David said, what's the deal? Basically, he said, why don't somebody go take care of that loud mouth? And it made his brothers mad. And his oldest brother said, what are you doing out here? Where's your sheep at? He tried to demean him in front of everybody else. And that didn't deter David at all. He said, I'll fight him myself. This is not a fairy tale. It happened. Put yourself in the shoes here, or sandals as it may be. (laughs) He said, I'll do it. They said, what? You get out of here. So he just turned away from him, the Bible said, and told somebody else. I'll do it. What did you say the man gets that kills this giant? (laughs) He said, he gets the king's daughter, and she's pretty. And his whole family is free from taxes forever. He said, that's me. I'll fight him. He said, what? He said, I'll fight him. And I'll take him too. Now, friend, I don't know if you understand. There were all kind of soldiers around here. But he, there was something in the tone of his voice that some of the leaders said, come with us. Why didn't they just send him running back to the sheepfold? So, oh, you silly little boy. Get out of here before somebody hurts you. No, there was something in his voice, wasn't it? That one of the leaders actually got him and took him to the king and said, you need to hear this. What? Well, just listen. (laughs) He's a young boy. He said, "Uh, I will go fight Goliath. And the king said, what? He said, I will fight him. He said, you can't go fight Goliath. You're just a boy. Have you seen this man? He's a giant. He's 350 pounds of solid muscle. His spear is the size of a pole. He said, well, he said, a lion attacked my flock and grabbed one of my little lambs. And I went and got him. I grabbed him by the beard. I took that lamb out of his mouth and I killed him. Made me some lion slippers. He said, and another time, a bear came. A bear came, tried the same thing, and he raised up, and I killed him. I took him out. God help me. And this Philistine will be just like one of them. I'm telling you, in the name of Jehovah, I will take him, and I will kill him, and I will put him down. 
And the king sat there and said, he might do it. (laughs) Come on, now think about it. Why would you send a boy? He convinced them. Oh, are y'all listening tonight? He persuaded them. There was something in his words that they thought, well, okay. So he was so convinced. He said, well, at least let me give you my armor. And he put all his armor on him. You remember that? 17 and 39. 38 says he armed him with his armor, put on a helmet of brass and on his head and armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he assayed to go. Assay means try. Somebody say try. But he decided not to do that. And he told him, he said, I, I'm not used to this. And I haven't proven it. And I can't go with these. And he put them off of him. And he got out his little uh, sling. (laughs) Now this is not the latest in military hardware. (laughs) These are leather straps and a little leather pocket. And he got his stick. It made Goliath mad. You remember when he came out? He said, am I a dog? You come out here with a stick to deal with me? But David knew how to use his stick. It was his stick. And he was comfortable with it. He knew how to use his sling. He was familiar with it. He was comfortable with it. Get this now. Listen. He knew trying something could get him killed. Why? He didn't have confidence. Trying something he did not have confidence in, he knew it could get him killed. So even though he looked totally exposed, and he looked like a fool going out there with his little sling and his stick, they can say what they want to, but he had confidence. Come on. He had confidence in these instruments, and most of all, he had confidence in his God. Oh, come on, can you see this? I'm going to say it again. Trying stuff you don't have confidence in can get you killed. Why? Because it is not of faith. And when it's not of faith, God's not involved. Oh, are y'all with me, saints? This word try, T-R-Y, you hear it a lot. It's not a good word. It's not a word to be found in your and my mouth. Did you hear me? Have you ever heard it before? I'll try. We'll try. We'll see if we can. We'll try. You need to get that out of your mouth. You need to eliminate it from your vocabulary. So what's wrong with it? Everything. Either you're supposed to be doing it, or you're not. If you're not supposed to be doing it, don't even try. If you are supposed to be doing it, don't try. 
do it. <laughs> if you're supposed to be doing it, God wouldn't tell you to do something you can't do. So if you're supposed to be doing it, don't try it. Do it in the name of the Lord. Do it by faith. What if David would have said, well, I'll go try. I'll give her a shot. He sure is a big fella. But I'll try. Would that have convinced anybody? Would he have ever even met the king and talked to the king? No. No. No confidence. Now look at Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews. The word assay in the King James means to attempt. Attempt. To make an effort. To try. Now the moment you say, I'm going to attempt this. What did you just get through saying? When you say, I'm going to attempt this. I'm going to try it. What does that mean? I may not be able to do it. You already said it. I may not be able to do it, but I'm going to try. So what's wrong with that? Everything. It's impossible to be in faith doing it that way. Impossible. So say, what's wrong with that? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Hold your place in Hebrews. Go to Romans 14. Romans 14 and 23. Very end of the chapter. Romans 14, 23, what does it say? He that doubts is damned or condemned, really is, you might understand it better, if he eat, because he what? He eats not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Say that out loud. Whatsoever. How much does that cover? Everything. Is not of faith. Is what? It's sin. Not just a bad idea. It's sin. Something to repent for and get forgiveness of. Put the Amplified up there, please. Amplified. The man who has doubts, misgivings, an uneasy conscience about eating and then eats stands condemned because he's not true to his convictions. That's one of the two words that define faith. And he does not act from faith. Now get this. For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. If you don't have confidence that this is good in the eyes of the Lord... And it's his plan and it's his direction. You cannot do it in faith. People talk about gray areas. They don't exist. I said they don't exist. If you're thinking, well, maybe it's okay and maybe it's not. If you go ahead and do it, it's sin to you. It's just the truth. I'm reading the Bible, right? You, me, all of us. Brother Keith, are you saying that everything we do, we're supposed to have confidence that it's right and pleases God? Yes, that's what the Scripture said. Everything. Everything. Whatever's not of faith is sin. Well, what if I'm not clear? Then you best stay away from it. (laughs) 
Well, it's a gray area to me. That means you can't do it. You can't be a part of it. Will other people do it? Well, you don't know their hearts. You don't know their conscience. You don't know what the Lord told them. They may be violating their conscience. They may be in sin right now. You want to join them? Unless you're confident that this is right. This is good. It's acceptable and pleasing to God. You can't do it without sinning. Attempting. Trying. Keep that in mind. Look in Hebrews. I know some folks don't like it that plain. But I didn't write that. That was in there a long time before I was ever born. Right? You know that, right? (laughs) But how many think you'd be in such better shape if you'd just live that way? If you get sure and confident that it's God, go on and do it. If you got misgivings about it, you're vacillating, you're wondering and wavering, well, you just know I can't do it yet. And unless I get secure, what if you never get secure? Then you never do it. Hebrews 11, verse 28, through faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. How many know that took some confidence? Oh, come on now, put yourself there. This is not a fairy tale. There is a wall of water that goes up what? 30, 40, 50, 100 feet, more? I don't know. It's the middle of the sea, the Red Sea. It's congealed, the Bible said, so it's like a, a frozen face on it. But you can look through it and see fish and boulders on the bottom of the, the body of water here. And you got to step out. And it's a good ways across there. You get out there and that thing breaks and melts. No way you're getting back to shore. Did it take confidence? Could you coward and say, well, now, I'm just not sure about that's going to hold or not. I, are you sure we know? You'd have died from Egypt. So they launched and they went. And they all made it to the other side, just like walking across dry ground. And the Egyptians did what? A saying to do. Huh? (laughs) They tried and died. Somebody say, they tried and they died. Say it again. They tried and they died. Were they confident? That it was God's will for them to chase the people of God and try to kill them through there. So were they going through there in faith? No. And so did they make it? No. Friend, this is a clear picture, isn't it? We can't try stuff. We can't attempt stuff. We got to get the word out of our, well, I'll attempt it. No, stop. Now just stop. Are you supposed to do it or not? Well, I don't know. Well, then you're not ready to do it. You need to get back in here and pray and seek God. Find out if you're supposed to be doing this or not. Well, I'll just try and if it works out, okay. And if it doesn't, see, that's how most church folk live. And it's wrong. It's why things are happening all over the place and tragedies and losses and all kind of stuff. I mean, the devil's just waiting for us to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. To take us out. He's looking for it. He's trying to set us up all the time. No. 
We must know. Seek the Lord till you know. Get in his word. Get in prayer. Seek him till you know. And when you know. And you know. Yeah this is the Lord. This is right. We're supposed to have this. We're supposed to do this. Now we don't try it. I said we don't try it. We don't attempt it. We do it. In the name of the Lord. And if we step up and five doors are closed and they're all barred, it don't move us. We stand there and talk to them and believe God till they open up. Come on. And if it takes a lot of money and we ain't got any, that don't move us. We claim and sow our seed and believe God till it comes in. We don't try it. We do it. We don't try to tithe. We tithe. We don't try to pray. We pray. We don't try to come to church. We come to church. How many times have I heard that? Y'all going to be at the meeting? Well, we'll try. You don't know if it's the will of God for you to come or not? People look at you shocked like, uh, what, what did you say that for? Well, it's a legitimate question. Well, you know, we just got so much going on. And the business requires so much of our attention. And we're so busy and prosperous now that we uh, don't have time to go to church. But we'll try. That's insulting to God. Either you're supposed to be there or you're not. Hmm? If you're supposed to be there, get there. Believe God. And do it. If not, don't even try to be there. Just don't do it. Don't go. Go to Romans 8. I think I'll close. Does this stir you up at all? Hmm? Does it appeal to you that you could live life confidently? That you wouldn't have to be a little mousy, questioning everything, wavering, spaghetti for a backbone? Uh, That you could actually hear from God and get sure about stuff and quit playing and do it and stand up and believe Him and He'd come through for you again and again and again? You can hear this spirit of faith in Romans 8. It's something to get excited about. Romans 8. The last part of the chapter. I mean the whole chapter is just wonderful. But in the last part of the chapter. Verse 31. Romans 8.31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us. Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Is that confidence in his goodness that you can receive just everything from him? Confidence. Not it might not be his will. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died and rather is risen again, who's even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can you hear some confidence in Paul's voice here by the Spirit of God? Huh? No vacillate, no timidity. He said, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? What's the answer? No. Distress? No. Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Verse 37, no, no, you say you had the right word, didn't you? No, nay means no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, for I am persuaded. 
Oh, come on now. I, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Not height, not depth, nor any other creature. How many know that means nothing? Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm persuaded of it. I don't have to be timid about it. I don't have to be mousy about it. I know. I know. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. Oh, come on, stand up somebody. Say, I'm persuaded. I know. And I'm persuaded. He's able to keep me. He's faithful to keep me. Oh, I am not going under. I'm not going under. Death is not taking me out before my time. Disease is not taking me out. Poverty is not going to keep me from doing the will of God. Come on. Come on. Nothing. Nothing can cut me off from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. I am persuaded. I am confident. I know. I am sure that He loves me. Hallelujah. And so we are more than conquerors. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.